for the ninth time. This is 99th episode. Let's jump right in. Just talking, and sometimes it seems like it's just talking. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, there's like, there's different, like, we're not just on the phone having a chat talking differently. Like, when we're talking here, it's like we start to get these different pockets and think about things differently. Um, I don't know. Yeah, good stuff. Anyways, we're probably getting boring by now, so let's talk about something more interesting. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. So the trees are looking really nice out here. No, it's okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it is beautiful. Oh, outside. no, another bee. <laughs> <laughs> so I think both of us had a really poor week of reading things. Like, I know I, for one, had one of those kind of weeks where it's like you get to the end of the day and you just kind of want to shut down and not do anything every day. So, like, yeah. I haven't mm-hmm. really, like, I've tried to read a little bit. Like, we we actually both were aiming to read the first uh, trade of Sandman because I've been wanting to reread it. It's something that you said you reread regularly. So uh, I've plugged away at that a little bit. And one thing I will say, I am definitely reading comics differently now than I was before. My mindset is different. I really see that reading this this time. Because I've read the first volume of Sandman probably like five times. Because I've read the whole series once. And then I've tried to reread the series again many times since then. But usually and I only get a couple trades there. in. Yeah, so I always start trade number one. Um, this time reading it, reading it a little bit slower... Number one, the art is amazing. And, like, I've always loved the story, but, like, really slowing down and paying attention to the art more has... Um, and I, what it is, is uh, I think it might actually be less how I'm reading differently and more the breadth of stuff that I've read since the last time. Reading a lot of, um, like, you know, Cockrum... Not Cockrum. Um, Claremont's X-Men, which has a lot of great artists like Dave Cockrum. And I feel like I butchered all those names. Whatever. Claremont's X-Men, the artist sure. who did it, were great artists, so I got, but I got exposed to a lot of different styles and learned how to appreciate the nuances in the art from a time back then where everything couldn't be so highly rendered and so clearly printed, where, you know, like, you had to be more, like, art just across the board had to be more creative to get its ends met back then, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there was a lot more craft to the art yeah, rather than art to the art, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, exactly, because you were trying to accomplish a job and you had these limitations. And overcoming limitations, like, breeds the best creativity, I think. Like, it might might not always be the case, but it seems like, you know, okay, we only have this much clarity, we only have this many colors, you know, make something. And Mm -hmm. they had to make more. I, I think a good example where you see how tools making it too easy, uh affects the art in a negative way is when you get to like the late 90s early 2000s and digital tools start to become available and art got just really awful in comic books like not all of them obviously but like um i would say i guess like i don't know the most mainstream ones i don't know but like uh i'm i'm most familiar with it from like going through the x-men books at that stage in all the stuff i've come across um and there's a period where just like it just makes me cringe to look at the covers just, yeah, it just yeah. It, it looks like you can spot the Photoshop filters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, looking at it. Look, yeah. that's a gradient filter. Um, but yeah, so and uh, another one that stands out to me that is in line with this is I read uh, a couple of trades of Starman, uh, which is something that's always been highly recommended to me. And you're talking about the James Robinson. Yeah. And um, gosh, who who's the main illustrator? At I. I don't remember <laughs> i'm awful 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 with names and i don't I, like i very i vaguely remember james robinson's name 
that's one we should look up. The art in it is, is really good, and that's definitely what drew me into Starman. Like, I started reading the story, and I was like, this is okay. It got better as it went, I thought, but um, the art's just really good. And reading Sandman again, of course, my draw into Sandman is uh, is Neil Gaiman's writing, but man, the art in that series is really good. And like, I'm only a little bit back into the first volume even yet. Um, mm-hmm. I love the first volume, too. Um the the story of him being captured and then having to like go and reclaim all of his um, possessions, and then of course you have all the DC character tie-ins because they were forcing him to do that, and they saw how brilliant what he was doing was, and eventually stopped forcing him to do anything. But I thought that they used those characters fairly well, and just such like I just I love that first story. I've heard a lot of people say that they couldn't get into Sandman because like the first trade just didn't do it for them. And like I just don't get that. Like I, I just think that first trade is so good. I do think the first trade. I see it. I, I think I always saw it as it almost felt like pre Sandman in a way. I, I think I always felt like it didn't quite find its voice until issue eight, the issue with death, where it's basically Sandman has gotten all his belongings and he's just kind of mopey and he hangs out with his sister Death for a day. Yep. And that's where. I always kind of before used to think, okay, this is where Sandman, quote unquote, becomes Sandman. But I think now I'm starting to appreciate more how what he was going for really is tied in all the way at the beginning. Yeah, it's a little more horror like that first trade. I feel like I feel like he's still trying to kind of capture the British horror comics feel at times rather than really kind of honing in on his message of this being a story about stories yeah but that's still there i think the first trade like you can see that dc had some like guidelines you know do these things you know you're going to have these characters in the story and you know stuff like that um plus they probably just like had had a little bit more say in whatever like the overall story but it's also it's an origin story for the reader so, uh, like most origin stories, they can be more tedious in a way, and I don't really feel like this one was. It def- like it, It's a great example of how uh, any book just gets richer over time as the characters get to develop more, and you see the creators get into the, the rhythm of what they're doing so they can start pushing their own boundaries. But I think it's funny that you say... I mean, I think the first one has more of that feel of hitting it, it like fitting into the mold of a horror book. But boy, like, I, I mean, it's been a long time since I've read all of it, but there is some way more horrific stuff that happens after that first trade. Oh, yeah, sure. Definitely. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like the the, um, the serial killer convention yes. is one that I that always comes to mind for me. Yeah. The, the what is he called? The Corinthian? The guy with, like, mouths for eyes? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah. It's... I'm looking forward to getting back to all that stuff. I now just talking a little bit about that first volume. I'm just so fired up to get reading it again. Cool. So let's just sit here in so, silence while I read a little bit. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> uh, along those lines, though, I recently listened to the audio production of Sandman. It came out on Audible. Uh, I'm a big Audible user. When I, when I say I've read a book, it usually means I actually listen to the audiobook, not that I actually physically read the book. And they released an audio production of Sandman. And it's basically like a radio drama. The big 
name is James McAvoy is playing Morpheus in it. And they've got a lot of other well-known actors and voice actors coming in to act the different parts. So it's it's not like a traditional audiobook where somebody's just telling you the story. It's more like they have actors portraying the different characters and saying their dialogue. So it's it's more like an audio play than anything else. Uh, the really cool thing about it is they got Neil Gaiman to be the narrator. So all the narration bits that kind of tie the pieces of... Um, the voice work together is all Neil Gaiman, which is just kind of a, a delight to listen to him narrate Sandman. That was really um, one of the best things about this series. But I felt like I was listening to kind of a summary of the story rather than the actual story itself. It really felt like here's kind of like, here's a quick let me tell you what Sandman, what the story of Sandman is rather than really getting into it because I think it made me appreciate how much the visuals actually help tell the story. And in particular, I'm thinking about like later in the volume that we're going to start with, the first volume, when Sandman is battling Dr. Destiny after he's made that, uh, that diner go crazy for 24 hours, uh-huh. Sandman finally shows up and they have their battle throughout the world of the Dreaming. And I remember, I could remember the story as the narration was describing it, but then I could also realize, wow, this isn't doing justice to the what the art did to tell the story. It was weird in that it was both good to listen to, but also kind of disappointing having read the actual comics so many times. Yeah, yeah, totally. I can definitely see that i that's something i would like to listen to sometime i don't regularly use audible um but that like when i heard about that like i don't know like hopefully i'll get a free trial against it seems like every like year or two you get a free trial of audible and usually i'll get a couple audiobooks and then remember that i don't really like listening to audiobooks uh but that okay. <laughs> that's the kind of thing that that would be more enjoyable like i found audiobooks i i can't listen to to fiction i can listen to nonfiction. But fiction, it's just like it loses my interest. I want to read it with my own eyes and let my mind process everything. But non- nonfiction's fine. Like one of my favorite uh, audiobooks I've listened to was uh, Marvel The Untold Story. Oh, yeah, that one's great. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, so that's more of like my speed. But then the problem is every time I get the chance to get something, I don't even know what to get, you know? So, yeah. Sure. What I found is that it's kind of hit and miss with the narrator. Some narrators are really easy for me to listen to uh, with fiction. Some are really tough to listen to. And there are some books where I decided, you know what, this narrator, I I just, I can't follow them very well. And I'm just going to actually read the book book. And it it bugs me because there's this uh, set of narrators that is very popular and they're very popular for fantasy books and everyone seems to love them and think, Oh man, these narrators are great. But when I listen to them, it just like, I tune it out. I'll, I'll hear it for like 30 seconds or a minute. And then my mind will just kind of start to wander something about just their cadence and their tone of voice. I just can't follow it for some reason. (laughs) And so I have these, giant thousand page books up on my shelf that 
I can't listen to the audiobook because I know I won't enjoy it because of the narration and I, I want to, but I still want to read these books. So it, it can very much depend, I think, on the narrators because when there is a good narrator, uh, it's, it's really great. Like I'm thinking of one of the best narrations is Will Wheaton narrated Ready Player One. Nice. And he was perfect for that. Just absolutely perfect for it. Yeah, and I think talking in an interesting way uh, when you're narrating matters so much. Like, I obviously I haven't don't have a lot of breadth of listening to audiobooks, but um, my best example of where I tried and it just I can't get it to work for me with with fiction. I got a collection of William Faulkner's short stories, and I just I would kind of plug through it some. And I just like I would keep on just being like I don't want to listen to this. And what I realized it is is the the way the narrators and it was different narrators too. Like for because it's a collection of short stories, so it would, it would change up. Um, but the ones that stood out to me particularly as just not wanting to listen to them are the ones that just they spoke so soft and everything just was sounded so sad all the time and and it just like I don't know there it just it was too like. It didn't draw me in I, at all. Yeah, like it was, it was awful. Like I, I don't know. Like yes, the story that you're telling is a sad one, but like it just came across like so, like um, mopily melancholy that I thought it it really lost the emphasis of the story, and it just made it like everybody's floating around in a sad fog, rather than dealing with the harsh realities of of the life that you know he was representing in his stories. Man, I can't imagine trying to listen to an audiobook of any Faulkner. <laughs> that just like I mean the the books of his that I've read were challenging enough. Like I can't imagine trying to listen to those books. That just seems so so difficult. <laughs> I, I mean, I think I think I've read The Sound and the Fury and As I Lay Dying. And both of those, the, he has this very, like, stream of thought way of writing. And it, it seems to just kind of, like, jump all over the place. And it was hard enough to follow reading it. Man. Well, The Sound and the Fury is a very complex book. It's, it's four sections. Each section is written from a di- the perspective of a different family member. Yeah. But it's incredibly confusing because one of the family members... Uh, I think it's the first one is um, I forget exactly what, what what is wrong with him, but he's he's mentally handicapped. Um, then I think the sac the second chapter is written from the perspective of somebody who's suicidal, so the thoughts are very scattered and unclear. Um, and then, if I remember correctly, it's been quite a while since I've read it. But I think the third chapter is written from the perspective of uh, one of the the siblings that is incredible, like an incredibly angry person. And then the fourth chapter is kind of what ties it all together. And um, when I hit the part in that book where I got the aha moment of what it was doing, it blew me away, like absolutely blew me away. But it was hard to follow, and like it was when that piece clicked into place. Everything just like whipped into place and it all made sense all at the same time. And it was like, you don't get that very often. So that's always been one of my favorite books from that perspective. But I definitely, I mean, that that's why I have a hard time listening to fiction is you have to really be paying attention. And it's really easy, especially when you're just listening to somebody talk, it's really easy to zone out. So if you're listening yeah. to nonfiction, it's not really a big deal if you zone out a little bit here and there because you can fill in the gaps really easily. 
But when you mm-hmm. you lose what you're listening to in a in a story that you're only hearing, like you can't you don't don't have any other way to pick back up what's going on. It's not a movie where you can look at the scene. You're not it's not a book where you can, you know, jump back a paragraph and, you know, see what you miss. Like, yeah, you can rewind it, but even then it can be hard to pick it back up. So that's Yeah, every now and then I find myself I have to restart a chapter and be like, Ooh, like if I'm I'm just like on a jog or something and I'm 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 going along and then all of a sudden a new chapter starts and I just didn't quite realize it and all of a sudden like it's a different character's perspective or something. And I'm like, wait a minute, I missed something here. I, I need to, I need to back up. Yeah, so. that, that is one time I did actually find that I liked listening to fiction audiobooks was jogging because I it just it helps me pay less attention to how much time I was doing what I was doing. Whereas listening to music, every song is like, okay, this is like what you know, three to five minutes. So uh-huh. like it, it's it's almost like looking at a clock to me to listen to music. So listening to like a podcast or an audiobook or something. So that was one time that I enjoyed it because um, if I kind of zoned out, I mean, how much did I care? Because I wasn't really like by that. By the time I had tried this, I was like, I'm probably not going to succeed with audiobooks, anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I did find that more enjoyable. Are Are you a Tolkien fan? I am a Tolkien fan in a similar way that I'm a Star Wars fan. I've read oh, okay, so and and I mean that in, a, in the good way. Like I'm I'm, okay. I'm not joking. Like I usually am about Star Wars. Um, I've read The Hobbit and I've read the trilogy and I haven't read anything else and I probably never will. If I read anything again, it'll probably be The Hobbit because The Hobbit is like the the quantity of stories that's in the whole Lord of the Rings trilogy is like if you compact all those stories into the size of the book of The Hobbit, that's like the quantity of stories. That's how I always put it to people. It's like The hmm. Hobbit's like story, story, story. And Lord of the Rings uh, is like story. Now there's 200 pages of talking and walking or so, you know <laughs> <laughs> okay um, uh-huh. but i i really I a... strongly appreciate the um the the vision that he had the details that he had i mean the, the stuff that clearly is what made tolkien great and makes so many people love him like i appreciate all that stuff i might not be willing to devote the time to uh you know to keep reading more of it or you know really have the desire uh strongly to reread stuff but um I have a, a good, you know, great respect for it. I think that's the same way I am with Star Wars. I, I greatly respect what it's done, the work that went into it, um, the quality of what it is. But I'm still not going to spend that much time on it. Got it. Okay, I'm I'm probably more of a Tolkien fan, like I am a Star Wars fan, also. But that means I've I've read Lord <laughs> of the Rings several times. Um, really, really enjoy it. What I was going to say is that uh, I got the audiobooks for the Lord of the Rings, and this was a case where it actually helped me appreciate the books even more. That's actually a good idea. (laughs) Yeah. Well, because what's interesting is that Tolkien, he, he, well, he, cause he was a linguistics professor and I think he's very interested in language. And I think most of what the Lord of the Rings, it, it all came out of, it started as like linguistic exercises of creating an Elvish language. And then he realized, well, if I'm going to create a language, I have to create a history behind the language and if i create a history i have to create a mythology and blah 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 and all of a sudden ah, he spins out of control into lord of the rings and but his writing has a kind of lyrical quality to it and i didn't quite appreciate that until i heard it being spoken out loud rather than reading it and so 
the audiobook for that actually gave me a whole new level of appreciation for the books. It, it kind of emphasized something that isn't very well emphasized within the written word, but when you hear it, it really pulls it out. And that was a really cool experience. That sounds awesome. So if anybody has yeah. uh, the book on tape of Lord of the Rings, send it to me because I can listen to that in my truck. I don't have a CD player. <laughs> okay, it's got to be book, book yeah. on cassette tape. Cassette tape. Just, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, now I want an Audible freebie so I can try that because I'm yeah. not going to pay money for Audible. I mean, it's still, you know, hours and hours of people talking and walking in between <laughs> the exciting things that happen. It's just uh, the way that those those talks and those walks are described had a little more richness listening to them. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I think one thing we were going to talk about is what is on our to-read list now that we're like halfway through this episode and <laughs> somehow managed to get here without even uh, meaning to. <laughs> so I will. Uh, I just looked on Hoopla, and I can actually get the audiobooks on Hoopla. Oh, I, I don't know what Hoopla is. Ah, uh, you don't know? I, 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 I feel like I've mentioned Hoopla like a million times, and you're just now asking me. Um, it takes uh, usually one and a half million mentions of something before it sinks all right. in. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. That, that's why, like, you know, we have the button to click and stuff like that. That's right. Back, back to bad idea. Um, so Hoopla is it's a, like a digital library service. So you have to have a library card. Your library has to subscribe to the service, um, but then you get downloads each month, um, however many your, your library allots. So since the pandemic started, uh, my library actually has been giving 25 downloads a month, which is a lot. There that are, is a lot. Wow. Yeah. There are uh, a ton of comics on here. Like I, I've mentioned reading a lot of different comics this way. Um, Deadly Class, I read um, that deluxe book one. I have um, – this actually fit into our conversation, all the stuff I've downloaded on here. I probably won't be able to get through it all. Um, because I am not reading at the fastest rate right now, but, um, I, for a while, so for a while, when the pandemic first started, they were giving 50 downloads. So I was like trying to use all the downloads, trying to try just really random stuff. Um, and I think the first couple of months I managed to download 50 things and I read a lot. And then I just like, I hit the, like any way I can read something, I eventually hit the wall. I'm like, I don't want to do that anymore. So I'm like, I don't want to read what's on Hoopla. I want to read what's on Comixology, or I want to read this, you know, actual physical book I have. But anyways, so my library does Hoopla. If you have a library card, you can go to hoopladigital.com, I believe. Yeah, I'm doing it right now. There you go. Um, if that doesn't work, just Google Hoopla Digital and you'll find it. Um, but you just, you go on, you try to like sign up with your library info and like your library card, you put that info in and then that's it. And it's so, like I have the app on my phone, which allows me to peruse when I feel like perusing. Um, I have the app on my tablet to read with. Um, I can read on my phone also, but I don't really like reading like um, the guided view, or, you know, so I usually just read on my tablet. Um, but it's awesome. Like I've read so many comics that way and it's checking them out from the library. So it's not pirating. It's not something fishy. Um, and I know like, Everybody who tries to defend pirating then says that the library is just as bad. That's a load of crap. Like, there's there's a reason this stuff is set up this way. Uh, and money has to be spent. Like, the library is spending their funds to do this service. The service has to be spending funds to have the rights to share this material. 
Uh, but it also, like, by exposing me to stuff, there's a chance that I may actually want to go out and purchase the book and stuff like that. So for somebody like me who has a very small budget on what I can spend, it's awesome to be able to try out things that, honestly, I just would not even have tried otherwise. Yeah. Okay, that's um, cool. And yeah. Stuff like audiobooks. I, I've used this to listen to some audiobooks. Um, there's not a great selection usually, uh, but I've listened to some various, like... Um, What's the word for them? I want to say self-help, but not like self-help, but like um, self-improvement. development. And yeah, things. personal development, like it's a lot like, of that kind not, of stuff. Not, it's the how to be better books, not the how to deal with being screwed up books. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So I, I've listened to a bunch of those. I've listened to some uh, sports like biographies and stuff like that. Um, like you were talking about how big some books you have. They're you know, huge books. And you want to listen to an audio book, but then you, know, you don't like the narrator. Um, I had uh, one on uh, – oh, crap. I'm going to blank on the guy's name. On a baseball player, his name will pop into my head in a minute, I'm sure. But he's like the the like one of the greatest but most hated players of all times because he was just an awful, awful person. And it was uh, – I was able to listen to the audio book, and I sent the, the physical book to a friend to read. Um, Jose Canseco? No, no. Uh, much older. Uh, like <laughs> – back uh he predates babe ruth like their careers overlapped but he was like tailing off on his career when babe ruth was coming up that's oh, gonna drive me nuts now i'll figure it out like uh ty, ty cobb. cobb or something ty cobb yep yep dirty dirty bastard ty cobb he's a horrible person <laughs> i had no idea i just remember i just remember from like when i collected baseball cards there was the room oh the ty cobb card Ooh, you know yeah you it Ty Cobb is a very interesting character, but he was extremely racist. He was, um, you know, extremely misogynistic. Uh, he was he was a horrible person. But he also was a great baseball player because of how hard he worked for it. But he also would like bend everything that was within the rules to bend. Um, mm. Like he would uh, he would intentionally cleat players when sliding all the time uh, until that got banned. Uh, he was pretty much the one who incited it getting banned, stuff like that. So interesting. Um, yeah, anyways, sounds like a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> so off of hoopla, back onto the subject at hand. We're going to talk about uh, what we have in line to read these days. Yeah. So I made a, an actual list. Um, I was looking at my bookshelf and thinking about what I've got and what I actually want to read. I have ten things on here, and that's just like the these are the 10 things of which one of which I'm going to read next. It doesn't count the things that oh, I'd like to read eventually. Like I'd like to read a bunch of the classic runs of fantastic four and the Hulk, like Peter David's Hulk. I'd like to read that someday. I'd like to finish reading, um, uh, Walt Simonson's Thor run. Yeah. I'd like to read a lot of the like Kirby old Kirby fantastic four stuff. You know, it's like, there's a lot of things like that that I want to read eventually, but aren't on this list. These are the, here's things that one of these is going to be in my hand when I finish reading mind management later today, which I'm on the last volume of that, by the way, mind management. I'm a, I'll probably finish it today. Good. You see, you, you added a bunch of stuff to my list because you're like, Oh, this book. I'm like, yes, I want to read that too. Oh, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> So I'm really torn myself between do I read stuff I've never read before? Or do I reread stuff? Um, my my So my I haven't written the list down because I was actually going to. And then I started thinking, I was like, I don't really have anything queued up right now. Um, as I said when talking about Hoopla, I tend to be the type that I kind of binge using like one mode of 
you know, reading stuff and then kind of switch to something else and binge. Because, like, I do better if I just kind of stay focused on what I'm doing for a while. Otherwise, I start scattering too much. And, like, I probably have between, like, you know, uh, prose and comics, I probably have, like, 10 to 15 books going right now. Um, I think I have, like, five, uh, you know, novels and nonfiction books. And then I have at least five various comics I'm working on. So, anyways, um, it's like I kind of need to reset and get some, okay, what do I want to try to finish that I'm already in progress on? But then, like, what are my choices going to be after that to delve into? Because I, I did that big time with getting into manga, and I just dove into a bunch of stuff. And then when I got to the point where I was like, okay, my momentum has slowed down. Instead of just trying to push on through with everything I got, okay, what's my pool now? So that's where I'm at. Yeah, I'm also trying to think about it in terms of mixing things up a bit. Like, it would be really easy for me to once I'm finished with mind management, just jump right into more Matt Kent. But I feel like the effectiveness of Matt Kent's writing will be diminished if I overdose on it. Yeah, you got to give it some room to breathe. Otherwise, you run into the problem of all the things you've absorbed mashing in together and you can't pick it apart, you know? So you're yeah. like, oh, I remember this thing happening, but I don't remember which story it was in or which comic or... Uh, it was, Matt Kent wrote it, though, you know? <laughs> that happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So next up is Department H. Is that right? No. Okay. What, what's your list? <laughs> All right. So um, this isn't in. I guess I can kind of put it in in order. It's it's roughly in order. I think the next thing I'm going to pick up right after I finish mind management is Fear Agent because I have the two big oversized hardcovers of that, and I read the first one and thought it was great. And then I think I was waiting for the second one to come out. And this has really been the bane of a lot of my reading where there's a series or a set of collections where I'll get the first one, I'll read it and it was great. And then I have to wait to the rest of them to come out to finish it. And then I get the rest of them, but then I'm reading other stuff or I just don't have time for it. And then I never get to reading it. And that's what happened with um, actually probably like the first top, the first half of this list is like that. Actually, look now that I look at it, all of these things on the first half of this list are things that I started to read and then the collections weren't completely out yet. So I didn't finish reading them all. And now they are, and it's time to actually read it. So I, uh, are we going to like jump back and forth or do you just want me to list, uh, I think, well, you do your list, then I'll do my list, and we can discuss in between or as we go. Okay, yeah, so I've got, like, my my top five, and then I've got my next five. And so after that is Transmetropolitan. I want to reread that. I was reading it as it came out, and I loved it. I know you've mentioned to me that you're, you don't love it as much. And it's not because it's bad or anything. Like, I, I was, uh, you told me... Uh, before you were going to read it and I kind of made fun of it because like when I read it I've read a lot of Hunter S. Thompson I was a big fan of Hunter S. Thompson for quite a while and I still am a fan but haven't read his stuff in a very long time either um Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas for anybody who doesn't know who Hunter S. Thompson is um that was a, a novel he wrote but he's a gonzo journalist so, like the majority of his books aren't novels they're journalism but they're wild because he's a gonzo journalist and like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, Raul Duke is his, that character is based on him. Um, 
but uh yeah transmetropolitan to me was writing a story like gonzo journalism basically which isn't a bad thing by any means but like Mm -hmm. when i was reading i was like uh i think i've read enough hunter thompson that i'm good with this but you know that was that was me then i'm also willing to give it another try with a caveat of i don't know if i want to read warren ellis Mm -hmm. anyways yeah it's that's tough for me because warren ellis is such uh instrumental writer in my appreciation of comics because when i was starting to read comics again in about 2000 he was writing the best stuff he was writing uh, planetary authority and transmetropolitan and i think all three of those are classics and and deserve to be classics and are hugely influential and um so yeah, that's that's a it's a tough one for me. That's one where I side on the I'm just going to enjoy the work for what it is. And yeah, I think that's because you have the background with it, anyways. Like I I don't yeah. have that attachment to Warren Ellis. Like he was always one of those people. As like I've always heard, heard good things about these things, but it, for me, it's easy to be like, well, I've never gotten into them. I'm not particularly like crazy about wanting to read them. So like it goes for me like I'm curious about this to meh, you know whatever but um it's like uh I was having this conversation with somebody else about you know people that you find out later on are are jerks um uh John Byrne like I've learned in the last like I don't know year how apparently he's a pretty terrible person but that doesn't yeah. mean I'm going to go back mm-hmm. and get rid of all the X-Men books he drew it's like no like I'm I'm rooted in the X-Men so it's like okay John Byrne might be a jerk but this is what it is, not just because of John Byrne, you know, and like yeah. uh, uh, Don 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 Rosa. I, I feel like yeah, that, Don the Duck artist. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, okay. he's a big jerk. I had that shared with me by a friend. He's like, I'll never read or buy anything he does, and I'm like, I don't know. He did Life and Times of Scrooge McDuck. I'm gonna read that, and he might be a jerk, but there's a lot of people that are jerks, you know. So, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it, and yeah, yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, some people are just jerks and curmudgeons and whatever, and okay, that's so you're a jerk. That's good for you. There's a difference between being a jerk and then actively damaging other people. Exactly. It's like I, I can't go back to Bill Cosby. That's, you know, that ship has sailed. I have no, like, the fond memories I had of Bill Cosby's, you know, TV show and comedy and stuff growing up. Nope. Never. That's done. Mm-hmm. But yeah. that, that's, that's a crossing the line instance for sure. Anyways, the, anyway, sorry, yeah. sorry for derailing uh, your list into uh, Bill Cosby, but uh, it's okay. <laughs> proceed. For me, uh, one of the things I really like about Transmetropolitan is how it collides that gonzo journalism with just this insane vision of the future, where yeah. it's just crazy people becoming alien hybrids and just people turning themselves into gaseous clouds, and it's just this insane vision of what the future could be like in terms of our pop culture like what will the pop culture of the future be like and it is just this crazy insane version of that and i really enjoy that part of it who's the artist is that Derek robertson yep mm-hmm. yeah you know i i feel like that's also something that i might should read physically i was thinking about this with another book i was reading i was reading it digitally i was like man you know what I'm glad I'm reading this, but I wish I just had a physical copy of it. Whereas some things, like I just you know pounded through a bunch of Deadly Class, that's mm-hmm. fine because it's I guess like more more modern comics, like they're so much crisper and clearer that like they they feel right digitally. But some things like that one, 
that the like kind of little more texture you get by it being on actual paper and stuff like that, I think might suit it better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I started to do this experiment. I was going to make like a YouTube video about it, but I never got it, which is comparing digital to print copies of things. And it, I got interested in it by, because I was reading X-Men and figuring out when, because eventually I feel like the digital version and the print version start to become more similar to each other. And eventually they become basically indistinguishable in some ways. Yeah. But that doesn't happen until like the very late nineties or early two thousands. That's when that seems to start to happen when they start to switch away from newsprint to the actual white printing. Yeah. And one thing I looked at is I looked at the first issue of Exo Manowar from 2012 uh, from Valiant and the digital versus the print is almost indistinguishable indistinguishable from each other like looking at it on my iPad versus looking at it in the printed issue versus looking at it in the deluxe hardcover like it was nearly identical every it, single it way it was produced that way and yeah, i mean uh-huh. not even like i mean one the art um that was a uh, who was that i yeah. have a really good artwork. artist yeah yeah the guy who did um, conan oh ah. <laughs> Clayton Crane. Um, no, no, it wasn't Clayton Crane. It was um, Carrie uh, uh, Nord. Carrie Nord. There we go. Ah, why, why I had, that I had the so C long? right. See, I got that C stuck in my head. Fantastic art. But uh, so, like, one, I believe Carrie Nord produces his art digitally. So, like, that's a factor. But then, even if it's not produced digitally, if like you know artists are still doing it physically, the whole like the whole production from that point is meant for it to be done that way you know yeah. so it's like yes mm-hmm. they're going to print the comic but they also know they're going to sell it digitally and so it's like when they're you know i don't know i guess mastering it like you would with music i don't know what you call that with with comics um they're going to do it all you know in a way that suits everything so then result should be pretty much the same unless they're doing something like printing on new stock or something like that but yeah yeah, yeah so I, now i kind of want to get a physical copy of transmit so thank you very much for making me want to spend money you're welcome i've got the big <laughs> giant uh absolute editions of it and that was one where i read the first absolute when i got it and then i s- decided okay i have to wait for the second and third one to come out before i finish reading this and now they're out and it's it's time to reread it the cool thing if i abide my time i can get that so cheap because uh it's old vertigo stuff and it's been reprinted so many times and used copies come up all the time of stuff like that at bull moose so i could probably pop those for like four or five bucks a a volume or something like that if i find them i just got to be patient to find them yeah i'm sure you could yeah okay next up on my list is jack kirby's fourth world and this is one that I want to read it. It got me interested because of all the San Diego Comic-Con at home videos yeah. that I watched on Kirby. It seems like Fourth World is really his, maybe his truest vision is a lot of the consensus that this was the most Kirby thing that Kirby ever did. And I think I, I have the four volumes of the Fourth World Omnibus books. Uh, which aren't oversized books. This they kind of use omnibus in a, in a to mean regular bus, <laughs> but 
Um, they're just regular hardcover books. I've read the first one, and I have to go back and reread it and read all the others now. Uh, I have never read Jack Kirby. Mm, interesting. I've, I've wanted to, and I've actually tried to a couple of times, but here's my problem. We talked about the difficulty of reading a different era of comics. It takes work. You definitely got to get used to it, right? Yeah. Um, like, I've never gotten into reading, like, the old uh, X-Men or Spider-Man. Like, I, I've tried a couple of times with stuff like that. I'm just, like, I, I've, I haven't focused enough and, like, gotten into the rhythm of it or really kind of had the desire to at the time because I had other competing factors. So... What I want to know, and this is a question you can answer, but also anybody listening, tweet me at who's Paul. Give me suggestions. If I were going to read Kirby, what's like, and I know Kirby's great all around, but what is the best thing for somebody who is new to to Kirby to reading that era of comics? What's the best thing to start with? Like, what what should I give a shot to? My hunch of a really good place to start would be the. Galactus saga from Fantastic Four. The original ones that were in issues 48, 49, and 50, and then jump straight to issue, after that, issue 51, which is, it's a famous issue that focuses on um, Ben Grimm, and I, I think it This man, is, this monster? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's that one. And um, Mr. Fantastic's attempts to fix his... Uh, grotesque look his that you know his thing you know that that because that's just one issue right yeah it's just one issue that's probably the best place to start it's one issue it's a story that like is famous i know i know the story even though i've never read it um as much as uh i've never gotten into fantastic four that's probably the the best way for me to (laughs) try out fantastic four a little bit more too yeah um yeah, no, that's a great suggestion. I think we got down to the the roots of it. But yeah, so anybody listening though, I w- I would like more suggestions. Um, and like Sean just did, uh, telling me where I could actually find uh, said thing is more helpful than oh yeah, read these issues he did of this, but then not tell me the issues. Um, I got a lot of that when I was trying to find some Avengers to start reading, and a lot of people were like, oh, read this story. Okay, well, where is that story? I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, they, I, if you don't <laughs> tell me the issues, it's not helpful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's on the top of the mountain when the sun rises <laughs> after the third full moon of the year. <laughs> it was actually yeah. Kurt Kurt Busick who suggested the issues that I got and read that got me to start collecting the Avengers. Oh, well, cool. Yeah. All right, back to your list. Okay. Uh, next up, we actually talked about this earlier today. Starman. Yeah. Yeah. I've this has been on my list like Yeah, you have like all the forever. hardcover omnibuses, don't you? You sent me a yeah. picture. That that was one of the things that made me go, ooh. I actually had the first omnibus of that. I found it used because they're out of print. I found it used, had it for a while, never got around to reading it, and then eventually like I had one of my purges where I'm like, I just gotta get rid of a bunch of crap I'm not touching, you know? So I traded it back in, um, had never read it. And then when I wanted to read it again, of course, you can't find that anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I ended up, I went on eBay and got the first couple of like trade paperbacks really cheap. There were some like nasty beat up library copies, but hey, they were readable. So I, it was cool. It's nice to do that sometimes too. Cause like I would do the, like the roll them up, stick them in my pocket, go to the beach, sit there on the sand. Um, you know, like I, it's nice to have some things that you're not trying to keep nice when you read them. You can just beat the hell out of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So you go yeah. beat, beat the hell out of your Starman books while you read them, and you'll enjoy it more. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> the Starman is one of those series that when I was uh, getting back into comics, I keep saying this, when I was getting back into comics in the early 2000s, but that was a series that I heard a lot of people talk about like, oh man, this this was so good. Like that was at that time in like 2001, 2002, that was the thing that everyone was pointing at, out as, oh man, this was so good. And so that's why I picked up all those omnibuses as they were coming out. And I think I read the first two of them. And again, it's just kind of stopped after that. So yeah, I gotta jump on that. Yeah. As I said, I've read the first two trades and, uh, it, it, it's a very good example of how much better stuff gets as it develops. Cause the, the beginning of it, which was probably why I never got into the omnibus is I started trying to read and I was like, yeah, I'm not really in the mood. Um, but like the, the, beginning of it felt kind of tedious but as it got going it just got better and better as like the characters actually got developed um that's kind of what i remember about it yeah okay last on this list is east of west ah good stuff yeah i've i've read i think i have the first three trade paperbacks or so and i've read those and it was my favorite thing i've ever read by jonathan hickman when I read it and I think it probably still is I I still feel like that's the best thing I've read by him and I need to finish it I need to read the whole darn thing I I, so I kind of did the same thing I was actually getting that in floppies when it was coming out at first and then eventually I like the the month-to-month wait just got to be not how I wanted to read it so I stopped that and then I think I, I got some trades of it and then kind of just stopped. And after a long time, I was like, okay, let's see how this thing is going. Um, so I kind of figured out how much there was. I knew I had to like start from scratch on it because it had been so long since I read any of it. Um, and I think it either just ended or is about to end finally. That sounds I, about right. I think it just ended and I can't recall if I read the last volume or not. Uh, which is one of the, the downsides of getting stuff on Hoopla is it's kind of hard to remember what you have and have not read. Whereas like Comixology, it's in your library, you know? Um, yeah, it says it concluded with issue 45 in December of 2019. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's why I thought it just ended. Um, yeah, I, I that, that's what kind of put Hickman in my I will always give this guy a try zone. Um, did he, am I remembering correctly, he also wrote Manhattan Projects? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, that's another one that I I have I have actually purchased all of those digital trades, and that's one that I'll definitely be doing a, a big read through. I read, I read the majority of it at least uh, quite some time ago, but it, that was also in my uh, foggy brained phase that I talked about last time. So I find one of the things that's kind of cool is I can reread stuff that I read in that phase, and it's like so fresh and new. <laughs> oh, that's cool. All right, because <laughs> I don't remember it. Um, cool. Yeah, so Hickman, thumbs up there. Uh, I just read through all, like, I did that big East of West read through, like, probably, like, a year ago, maybe. Uh-huh. Um, and, oh, man, I just, I love that story. It it does feel like it bogs down at times, you know, where it's, like, it's probably a story that should have been planned a little more concisely, maybe, because there's times where it feels like it's just, like, okay, progressing along, you know, moving along a little slowly. But it's it's really good. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't lose it necessarily in the end um but the beginning of it is so good my favorite characters in that are probably the uh the the two um indians 
Native Americans that are with death. Um, that uh, was it, is it called transmogrification? Like they can change into animals. Ooh, I'm trying to remember my D and D. Yeah, so the one can turn like turns into a wolf. The other one turns into birds. And I just love it because the, the one is um, it is like not white as in like a white person, but is white with black details on them. And that's the guy that turns into the wolf. And then the um, the the female is completely the color black with white details. And she's the one that turns into like ravens or something like that. But, like the, I love those two characters. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember much about it. I just remember really, really enjoying it and knowing it was like this weird apocalyptic western. Yeah. Kind of is, I guess, how I would (laughs) describe it. Apocalyptic western. And I think one of the things I loved about it is the characters that were something to not mess with were like real legit. You know, like it gets tiring reading story like... uh, we just talked about Sandman. Uh, Morpheus is um, is like when, when he gets pissed off, he doesn't mess around, right? But then you see yeah. the you see the soft side of him too. The the when he's just struggling with his feelings, you know, and stuff like that. Um, but you know, is going to get to the point where he's like not something to mess with, you know. And, and just in in the very first story where he gets captured and then frees himself, as soon as he's freed. He is messing people up. Like he is just tearing through stuff. Even though he's in this weekend state, like he's like he's not messing around. Like he's serious. Um, yeah. But you get so many stories where you get the characters with that kind of power. But like it's like they get stuck in the think of the soft side of Morpheus, where it's like he's getting hung up on stuff and it's derailing stuff, and it's all that. You know, I, I hate that. In East of West, it's like these people aren't fooling around. They're vicious. They are serious. They know what they're doing. So yeah, good story. Cool. All right. So that's that's my immediate list. I ha- I have five more that are the l- less immediate list. I can run through that really really quickly. Okay. I'll just list them. Lightning All right. round. All right. Lightning. <laughs> First up is uh well it's actually two for the price of one. It's Underwater Welder and Trillium good by stuff. Jeff Lemire. I need to reread um, Underwater Welder. Uh, Trillium, I wouldn't mind rereading it, but I, I don't need to. But Underwater Welder, like I think I, I really need to reread that one. I, that's actually been on my mind lately. Cool. Yeah, I haven't read either of them, and I've meant to, and I have them, so I, I just need to get on it. Uh, next, uh, Lock and Key. Very good stuff. I've, I've always heard it's good, but just have never dived into it. The, uh, Cope- the, the first read-through of Lock and Key, amazing. Not as oh, good the okay, second cool. time because it, it like the this, the the reveals are so great in it. Okay, next one. Uh, next up is Copra, the um, the book by uh, Michelle Fife. Fife. Yeah, yeah, Michelle Fife. I, I'm actually slowly reading through that myself. Cool, and um, X Men Grand Design, which is the Ed Pisker books. Yeah, I've almost yeah. bought that so many times. And I've I'm got like, it. I just I need don't really. To... I don't really need it, but I just like it's pretty. <laughs> oh, it looks beautiful. And last up is finishing reading through the IDW GI Joe, or at least catching up on it. There you go. So, yep. my list is going to start where yours left off because I think the first thing that I'm going to finish reading, at least the 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 volume I'm on, is IDW's GI Joe. Um, cool. I've mentioned before I got a humble bundle that 
was massive with G.I. Joe and Transformers. Uh, and yeah, I've been I reading the through the one. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, I've been reading through the G.I. Joe stuff uh, with the um, the IDW collections, which I believe I've mentioned these before. It's such a good way. Like if you want to read G.I. Joe, Transformers, Ninja Turtles, get the, the IDW collections because it collects them in reading order. And it's a good value, too, for the, the quantity of issues you're getting for the price. Um, so I'm on volume four of seven. So I, my, the first thing I'm going to finish up is volume four. I'm probably not going to try to read through five, six, and seven all in one shot also. Um, but I've kind of been stalled there for quite some time. And uh, I really should be reading it because my my excitement for G.I. Joe is certainly uh, peaked by talking with you on a regular basis now. Excellent. And for some reason, I'm always hunting down toys for you these days. Oh, you're uh, the toy whisperer. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so that's the first thing I'm going to finish. Um, I like, I have shared this before, but I, my GI Joe excitement right now has nothing to do with childhood. Cause I didn't care about GI Joe as a kid. I, I got interested in GI Joe cause I picked up this collection and started reading it based off of reading one trade that somebody recommended that I thought was really good. Um, but I, like, I really want to get more in tune with these characters cause it's so cool to see the toys, but I'm like, I don't have the same attachment to the characters, you know, uh, except for certain ones that really stand out. Uh, so I want to I want to get it going, get that that built up. Um, so you said you're on volume four. Yep. Of that, I'm trying to see which uh, where that puts you in the story. I was gonna try to look it up, but it's it's um, the app I use is not the easiest thing to navigate like that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm I'm trying to look up the that volume. Okay, so it is Cobra Special Number Two, GI Joe Origins, sixteen through nineteen. G.I. Joe 18 through 22 and Cobra 2, 5 through 9. Mm, okay, so you're kind of right in the middle of that first, what I would call the first era of G.I. Joe. Uh, I think that those Cobra issues are really cool because it gets into Cobra Law. Yeah. Which um, it is a whole new take on Cobra Law that's much better than the original take on Cobra Law from the uh, 80s. It's been very good, yeah. So I, I'm excited to to get back into that, and then like even once I finish those up, I got the Transformers to read, and then I got the crossover to read, and yeah. So that that's that's my first like okay, let's get some of this stuff done. As I said, so like I was gonna make a nice list because usually I have a lot of things like I just off the top of my head make a list of the things I'm gonna read, and I kind of realized that because I just went through a big binge fest on on manga, I've been kind of out of that phase, so I've been kind of searching for what to read. I I read that uh, collection of uh, of Deadly Class, so that's the other one on my list. Is I want to finish reading what's available with Deadly Class right now, uh, which is a, a pretty meaty thing. But I read through that first the first collection super quick, so I don't think that that'll take the longest amount of time for me to do. Um, I've been enjoying that, so I want to get that finished up. Uh, one that I got a really good deal on. Um, and I had read a little bit of it before, but it's a, a series that was always on my radar because, uh, you know, Jay Fabray, she, she, uh, she's done oh, some, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Okay. So she loves it and she's like, she was always just kind of raving about it whenever, like whenever she's reading about it, she'll, she'll post on Twitter and stuff like that. And so she told me about it as like, okay, I'll check it out. Um, and, uh, I read like the first volume and one of the things that kept me from reading more of the series is it was never that affordable on Comixology. Like, it was always, even when they had sales, it was always, like, 
a little bit pricier than other things would be on sale. So it just kind of held me off from from jumping into it. But then Colin Bunn was having uh, like uh, doing a special thing with uh, with the you know COVID uh, going on and everything. Um, basically, so what was happening was he was having I don't know he was having something going on to where he can do it. But Matt Kent was drawing sketches in uh, if you ordered any books from Colin Bunn. So they they had all the deluxe hardcovers of the Sixth Gun, which is the the series that I'm rambling on about without saying the name. Um, ah, okay. But yeah. those are like they're super nice, but they're expensive, and that was like cost prohibitive. It was like sixty bucks a volume. Because I was like, oh, well, maybe I'll get one because it'd be awesome to get a, a Kint sketch in it. Um, but then, like as I kept scrolling through his online store, I got to the end and they had a bundle of all of the trades for like I think it was like fifty bucks. And I, if I remember, it's like nine or ten trades, so it's a ridiculously cheap price. And I bought it, um, and I like I wasn't even concerned about whether or not it, you know, Kint was going to do a sketch or whatever. I just like I'm just going to buy this. Um, so there, they, and then like, I looked again and saw that it, it did say that, uh, there would be a sketch. So Kent didn't sketch in the book, uh, but they're all signed by, uh, by Brian Hurt, uh, the artist. I said that all wrong. It was Brian Hurt's store, not Colin Bunn's store. I don't know what I said. So if I said that wrong, you're now corrected. Um, I'm really okay. bad with names today. Brian Hurt's online store. Brian Hurt, the reason Matt Kent is doing this is uh, they have the HBK Studios thing they're doing together with the third artist whose name I can't remember off the top of my head ever. So Kent did a, a sketch on like a 3x5 card of the the main female protagonist in the book, which if I could have picked a character, it's exactly the one that I would have wanted. So like it was just it was so awesome because I get this like this awesome deal on these books that I really want to read. And then I get a... Uh, a piece of art from Matt Kent that like, I never get the opportunity to get anything from him. Like I don't get to go to cons or anything like that. So just like super good deal. I'm su- like, just made me so happy. That's going to be like one of my big projects to dive into. Cause I, I keep on like trying to start reading it and then getting pulled in other directions. Cool. That's the one that really put Colin Bunn on the map is what I remember. And he was a relatively like unknown writer at the time uh, when that came out and that, is what really was his thing that started his rise as as a writer in comics. Yeah, I, I I think so. And I remember when he was starting to do stuff for Marvel, I just remember a lot of friends like not liking his Marvel work and being negative about him. But I was like, but the sixth gun. And then when they started reading Harrow County, they realized how good Colin Bunn was. And it was just mm-hmm. the best example to me of you should not judge a writer by their work on Big Two only. Yeah. Like if yeah, like, if they do other stuff, check out the other stuff before you think that they just like aren't what you like because like I, there's just so many like I haven't read much Colin Bunn doing Marvel stuff, um, but uh, Harrow County I've read all of that and that was so good. Uh, if you haven't read that, that's definitely one I strongly suggest. Um, okay. Yeah, it's it's one that I've always heard of, but haven't dove into at all. Yeah, and they have, uh, I believe they've started releasing, like we talked about the, the, the mind management omnibuses, I got the paperback ones, uh, they've done it with Hellboy. I believe they're either going to start doing it with Harrow County, uh, or they've already started, but they're not all out yet. They're somewhere in that range. 
Uh, but that's okay. once they're all out, even though I have them all digitally, that's something that I'll probably, once they're all, I can just get them all at once. I'll probably pick those up because it's just like, it's such a good story and the art is so great in it. Um, yeah. So there you go. Colin Bun, read them. Cool. So, uh, so what have I said? GI Joe, uh, six gun, six gun, deadly class, mm-hmm. Sandman, which we've already talked about earlier. So I need to go into that. Uh, and then, like, aside from that, I have all these different mangas I've gotten, and I'm still kind of keeping, like, my kind of rule for myself right now with if I'm going to get any more manga is when we go to Bull Moose, I'll see what used things they have, and you can get some really good deals on stuff. It's so, like one that had caught my attention, um, I Am a Hero. I had seen that. I was really tempted to get it. Like, I almost ordered it on Amazon because it was a decent price. But I was like, no, no, no. Like, I can do that anytime, and I have plenty of stuff to read. And then I found it used at Bull Moose for like eight bucks. So like sold. Um, so that made me pretty happy. But uh, the one I'm going to mention right now that I actually just picked up from uh, Barnes and Noble. I'm also always trying to keep my eyes out for stuff that I think my wife will like. Because uh, manga, there's definitely some stuff in manga that's going to appeal to her more than in like American comics. Sure. Uh-huh. Uh, the Girl from the Other Side, story and art by Nagabe, if I said that right. So, like, I was just looking around in, in Barnes Noble, and I saw this book. And I don't even know if I saw the cover or the spine, but it just looked like that, um, the kind of fantasy stuff that just, like, at a glance I thought would, it would appeal, like, it, just looking at it, it appeals to me, and then I thought it appealed to my wife, too. Like, you know how Studio Ghibli stuff, like, uh, Howl's Moving Castle and Spirited Away... They, the the creatures, the 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 ghosts and ghouls and whatever, like they're all just so interesting, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's like the cover of this book is a little girl, and this big, tall, like black, smoky looking creature with horns that just like it just looks like that. It's like so otherworldly. Like it doesn't feel like a modified thing from our world. It just feels like it really is from another world. And just flipping through it a little bit, it just is super appealing visually to me. So that's that's going to be one of my easy reads and my my little batch of five coming up. Okay, cool. So a lot of big, hefty volumes to read and this one nice little book. Yeah, a lot of the stuff I want to read is big, hefty volumes that, I mean, like, Fourth World is a lot of really dense books. Starman is six omnibus volumes. I think it's an 80-issue series. It's It's a lot. It's a lot of reading and, you know, reading mind management has taken me a couple weeks and those are 36 issues that are very easy to read. And yeah. so, yeah, I've got a, a lot of my reading cut out for me. I'm hoping work mellows out a little bit in a week or two so I can not be working 12 hours a day and <laughs> on the weekends, like I'm going to do the rest of the day today and, uh, have some time to actually kind of relax and enjoy those things. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I worked 13 hours yesterday, so I was pretty whipped. Um, yeah, so I, I know what that's I know like. the feeling. Yeah. Um, yeah. but I don't, I, I thought I was going to have to work today actually, but luckily, uh, it looks like it is shaping up to where I don't have to. Excellent. Um, Glad to hear it. So you use comiXology. I know we've mentioned that. Yeah, I sure that. do. Mm-hmm. Um, would I be safe in assuming that you probably have a lot of stuff on there that you haven't read? 
Yes, you would be safe. I, <laughs> I think that's a common problem when you uh, anybody starts to understand that the best way to use Comixology is to wait for sales and then buy way too much stuff that you'll never get around to reading. Um, uh, you're, you're, I feel triggered by your comments. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking at my Comixology, and my old approach was to organize the books I purchased oldest to newest and try to read through the oldest stuff that I had had purchased to try to like make use of all this stuff that I've bought over time. A lot of the stuff, uh, you know, stuff that I have on there might be free stuff too. Like the thing I'm actually looking at right now is, I don't know if you caught this, um, but when they were releasing the new Scooby-Doo movie, uh, Scoob. Oh, those like 80 issues of Scooby-Doo that were free? I think it was even more than that. It w- there was an absurd amount of free Scooby-Doo stuff because there was over 100 individual issues, plus there was a ton of trades. I found it all. I got it all. So that's one of, <laughs> that's one of my big, big buckets of stuff that I have to read now. Um, anyways, I used to try to go from oldest to newest, and going back to the oldest stuff, I found that there was just a lot of stuff that I just I didn't really feel enthralled to read right now. So I was just getting caught up on like, I, I'm not in the mood for this. Uh, there's some stuff even that I got that I kind of realized I really don't want to read this. So I marked it off as read just to get it out of my unread list. Uh, oh. my, my best example with that is, uh, uh, was it called Batman Eternal? I think it was. It was the, the weekly Batman series that they did. And they did Batman and Robin Eternal, uh, either coinciding or after that. And I had gotten two volumes of that that were packed with issues because they were just such a good deal. But then when I'm trying to read them, I'm like, I don't want to read this. Like, I have no interest in reading this. It's not that it's bad. The art's pretty good. The, you know, the writing is okay. But, like, I really have not been interested in reading Batman. And, like, trying to read through this just, it, it made me feel bad having it sit there looking at me. Like, I need to read that. I need to read that. So I finally was like, I don't want to read this. Marked it off as completed. So it kicked out of my list. And I felt better and I moved on. So I flipped it, and I'm trying to read now, instead of trying to read from oldest to newest, I'm actually trying to read what I purchased most recently, and then go backwards. Because if I purchased it recently, it's because I wanted to read it, so I need to read it while I want to read it, and then keep going backwards that way. Yeah, I've been um, buying a lot less. One thing I realized is that I have no, no need to ever buy anything from Marvel, because I have Marvel Unlimited. Yep. So... I stopped buying Marvel, so that's like half the things almost. <laughs> just like, I just ignore it. Just completely ignore it. Um, most things with DC I have already that I'm interested in. And pretty much the only things that I, I don't have that I'm interested in tend to be like Vertigo series that I missed out on. Um, so mostly what I'm looking for is the more indie stuff the like when there's image sales but then what happens is i realized just today i was looking through what's on sale and there's a comiXology crime sale of image books and i thought oh man one thing i've always really wanted to read is criminal but then i was looking up my humble bundles that i have and it turns out i have like the first five volumes of criminal in a humble bundle and I don't even remember that I had those. <laughs> so I was tempted to buy something because it was on sale on Comixology that I actually already have digitally. And <laughs> so I, I feel like I'm uh, at a lot of risk of that sort of thing 
right now. So I'm actually trying to kind of take stock of what I've got. And it'd be nice, it'd be nice if I had like some sort of master library where I could see everything I have between what's in print, what's in uh, digital, what's in Humble Bundle, what's in Comixology, and keep track of it all that way and know what I've got and what I don't have. Because that's, that's I, I think, one of my biggest problems right now is keeping track of what I do have and what I don't have. Yeah, it's really easy to do that too, especially with you know the sales. One of the things I've found with the sales is the best thing you can do is if you see um, a, a code sale where it's like 50% off all Dark Horse, put in this code. First thing you do is you go and look at their other sales and see if they have Dark Horse on sale anywhere else. Um, you could get insane deals that way. Like um, Usagi Yojimbo. I bought all of the omnibuses, uh, the Dark Horse omnibuses, for $7 each digitally, uh, which was I thought was a great deal. Um a little bit down the road, a 50% off code sale coincided with a Dark Horse Kids sale, and I could have got all those volumes for three fifty each. Oh, man. Um, yeah. Which I didn't regret the $7 each, but I was just like, holy cow. So every time there's a, 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 a code sale, look to see if that publisher has uh, another sale going on because they do stack. So you can get some crazy, crazy deals that way. That's really cool. Um, but then aside from that, those code sales are usually the best way to get stuff. So like if you want to, you know, get all of Hellboy to read, wait until there's a Dark Horse 50% off sale and then get, get all your Hellboy. And, you know, and, and like sometimes the, the more narrow scope ones, like, you know, uh, uh, the image crime sale, well, you can take advantage of getting criminal that way, which obviously like you just said, why well, you don't need to, or wait till they just have a, a, an image line wide sale and then get what you want because a lot of times you'll get something like okay i'm picking out of this narrow bucket and i'm getting this because it's the best thing in the bucket rather than realizing like oh i would actually totally rather have this completely other different thing you know yeah mm -hmm. yeah i'm i'm pretty good about not just buying stuff just to buy stuff like uh criminal is one that uh some of my other friends have been talking about it's a lot so really good. saying it's really really good so it's it's been on my list so that was more of a this is on my list uh, and now I see it on sale, but thank goodness I checked Hungable Bundle because <laughs> yeah. I got it sometime in the last several years and didn't even remember it. Criminals, uh, it's it's a quick read too because it's very compelling. So like if you added that to your list, like even though there's quite a few issues, like you're gonna fly through those because they're just like it's it's very very compelling stuff. Like that um that got me hooked much deeper into into Brubaker, and um actually I forgot to mention I. So I was looking through through Hoopla while we were talking too, and there was some stuff that I had queued up. And one of the things, uh, so uh, Brew Baker and Sean Phillips had just released uh, Pulp, which was like an OGN. And so I read that, and I thought it was pretty good. Uh, some other people were really raving about how great they thought it was, and I don't think that they're wrong. It just didn't hit me the same way. Uh, but it just got me thinking about how great Ed Brew Baker and Sean Phillips are together. Criminal, fantastic. Uh, I had read, I think it was the fade out after I read Criminal because I was just on such a Brubaker Phillips high. Uh, but I just downloaded uh, all of Fatal, which is another series that they did together. Yeah. So there's a lot mm -hmm. from them, and like, look at your humble bundles because you probably have a whole bunch of it. So. I know, <laughs> I know. 
All right. Well, I, I think uh, it's a good time to wrap it up. We've been talking a while on this one, and it seems clear to me that we have a ton of stuff we want to read that is going to keep us going for many, many, many more episodes. Yes, it will. So this cool. is a beautiful reading day here. It's like it's it feels very fallish here right now. It's 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 a little bit windy. It's a little bit chilly. It's a little bit overcast. I love plowing through some reading in this type of weather. I'm jealous because it is well right now it's nice. It hasn't warmed up yet, but it's going to be another 90 degree hot day here. Enjoy your uh your summery hell out there in the yeah, yeah it's I <laughs> I don't know if, if I've uh discussed this with you before. I grew up in the desert in California. I grew up in oh, yeah. uh, in the Mojave like, Desert. Palmdale every year. Yeah, area, exactly. Right? Yeah, the the real crapple part of California. And man, I don't like I remember living in Santa Clarita is actually the last memory I have of this. It being 120 out and it literally hurting to go outside. And if you had to go anywhere, you would like rush to your car, roll down the windows, crank the air, be miserable, and just hope that like it, it made you like able to function enough to get to where you were driving. So people like talk about winter here in Maine. I don't miss those 120 degree days. And I'll take winter over that anytime. Mm, I probably would too. It's, yeah. We've had a few days in the summers that get up to like, 110 115 um this summer hasn't been quite that bad yet but it's, it still could be there's still some time so i won't put it past it but yeah it's it's tough it's tough yeah. well enjoy your beautiful reading day in, in your lovely fall out in maine we i i kind of vaguely remember what seasons are like but in <laughs> california not not too much <laughs> so that's yeah. great yeah. I had that life. Well, enjoy. In, well, enjoy. Get your work done <laughs> so you oh, yes. can enjoy things. Hope your day goes smoothly. Thank you, everybody, to listening to us once again. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Who's Paul. You can find Sean over there on Twitter at Bad Deacon. Follow him, and he'll make you want to buy toys like he does for me. So I, I state that urge by finding toys for him to purchase. Uh, yeah, and if if you out there, dear listener, want to buy toys for me as well, then hey, there's always room for more on the team. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Have a good one. Cool. Until next time, uh, go read some comics. Make your own list. Tell us what you're reading. Sounds good. All right. All right.